0: The message tonight is going to to challenge some areas of church, of church life, making sure that we keep our hearts focused. I'm excited about the love of God that I sense in this church, and I only want it to grow. 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 7, says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his son, his one and only son, into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. No doubt then through us to be a ministry of witness and life change to the community in which we live. God is love. We saw that from Genesis to the New Testament. We saw the types and prophetic messages about Jesus all through Genesis. You see it through the Old Testament, and then you come, and in the fullness of time, we watch the the baby be born in the manger, and we watch the story unfold until Jesus is hanging there on the cross. The redemption center is open, and and the world can come into a relationship with him. It's all about love. God does a ministry of love because he is love. The work of God is the work of love because the nature of God is love. and We can't ever forget that or separate it. Paul writing to the church at Corinth talked about faith, hope, and love. But he was quick to write, but the greatest of these... Is love. He also wrote about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. And the first one he mentions is love. Jesus said these words, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. That you love one another. All the things we do in church and all of the, the qualities of God we should have like faith and hope. Yet the way people will know is by our love. When our life is messed up in sin and the Master comes and takes all of the brokenness and confusion and makes something beautiful out of it, it is not that we are an ornament on a Christmas tree. But then that love of God continues to grow in us until it's like fruit hanging on a tree that would be compelling to those who are spiritually hungry who are passing by. So there is a a ministry of the love of God to us and then through us. Where you find love, you find God. That's why the essence of who we are is love. We're going to do many things, but they must rise out of the essence, out of a center place, which is the love of God. The love of God is what draws people and turns their eyes on Jesus. The nature of the church's love. Paul also wrote, let faith express itself through love. If it's not being expressed in love, then it's not going to have any impact. Through this passage that we read tonight and through the words of Paul to, to the church at Corinth, you, you find him trying to make sure they keep clear that it's first and foremost about who they are and then what they do. We aren't careful like the church in Revelation. We can be about activity and lose the love. And then we're just religious. The essence of who we are is activity, not love. And so we don't have a compelling witness. So we have to return to our first love. Here's our vision. If you'll look at it, the vision pathways. Four lanes. We have the boundaries on each side of visionary leadership and resource management. If we don't move forward out of a love of God shown to us and then a love of God shown through us, then we don't progress in relationship and power. We progress in religious duty that has no invitation to a world that's hungry and needs to be invited to spiritual life. If I love God, then my worship is going to be alive and passionate and real. If I love God, I'll do community. I don't have to be forced into it or, or join a ministry for it, though I'm for those things. But it will be incarnational because to love God is to love people. Spiritual growth, discipleship, it is just rote, discipline. Unless I'm centered in the love of God. If I'm centered in the love of God, then I'm growing in a relationship, and that's the passion in the fire of spiritual growth. Outreach, where we want to see our unsaved family members come to know Christ, our community. Then we won't just sit here and hope people get saved. We get strategic with our own story. Because we have such a love for God, we have a love for people, and outreach is not a burden an opportunity. Outreach is not just for about 5% of a local church that has a lot of outgoing personality. The, the, the outreach part of the vision is for all of us to be expressed through all of the different personalities, all, all having their essence in the love of God. Our resources of time and money, we will not have any kind of grudge about having to give God time or money. No, because we have been so overwhelmed by his love and want to express that love, we find ways to use the resources of time and money to allow that expression to be at its clearest, its greatest influence. So you can see that the whole vision without the love of God is not going to happen. There is no force greater than love. I want to take a look at that by turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look with me, please, at verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. Paul says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Other versions say Christ's love compels. Notice the force of the love of God. It's a controlling, compelling force. It had to be because look over in chapter 6, starting at verse 4. It's like a catalog of suffering. I'm going to read it, starting at verse 4 of chapter 6. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness by the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. We faithfully Preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God. Whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us, we are honest, but they call us impostors. We are ignored, even though we are well known. We live close to death. But we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Now let me just pause right there. Love must be a powerful force to keep you in that kind of suffering. Beaten, shipwrecked, imprisoned, and yet still compelled, controlled by the love of God. A good question for us to ask of ourselves and our church is what controls us? What compels us? Is it people? Is it praise? Is it achievement? Is it money? Is it the past? Or is it the love of God? What controls us? What is the compelling motivational power of my life, of the life of our church? Are we centered, controlled, compelled by something other than the love of God. I want to talk to us as a church. New believers come into the family of God, and they are what I call consumers, and rightfully so. They're young in the Lord, and they are getting a a new hardware, a new nature, and then we are trying to download all new software filled with the principles of a whole new life. And so they're receiving. They are consuming and that's fine. Where the problem happens is if the spiritual growth does not occur, then you can have more consumers in a local church than producers. And if you have too many consumers, then the church slows down. It will suck the oxygen of life right out of the church because... No one is producing the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. We're just consuming it. So, there is a need to allow the love of God that has been shown to me to forgive me and save me, to then grow me and mature me so that I produce within the family of God and the community in which I live, so that this love can be a compelling witness. If that doesn't happen, problems arise. Interesting, it's happened in every church that I've ever been in, and certainly every church I've pastored. You could talk to one person and say, tell me about the church. Oh, it is the most loving church, caring, welcoming, embracing church. And you can talk to someone who has attended just as long, and they will say, I don't know if I'm going to stay it's not real warm and caring and loving. I don't know. There's a whole deeper message that we, we don't have time to go into tonight. But it has a, has a place and needs to be preached about. If you grew up in a home where, where love was really confused... And you come into a place and and you're looking for all of this affirmation. If you could turn this switch that I'm talking about tonight. If you could cross over. If you could grow in this. Then what you lack, you'll realize that the God in you gives you the power to produce. So you're never at a shortage because you can produce what you lack. I don't ever have to say a church isn't loving because if I'm in that church, I can produce the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. If it's not warm and caring, well, that's characteristic of the love of God, and we can produce it. Think about that within your home. If something's not right within your home, and yet you're a follower of Christ, and there's a lack of warmth and love and focus and concern, produce what is lacking. I started to say before this sermon, repeat this after me, Pastor, I will love you even after this sermon. Because this is touchy, but it's so important. It's not enough to show pictures of Christ on the cross, show Jesus from Genesis to Revelation so that we see the manifold wisdom of God expressed through Jesus and His arms outstretched, welcoming us to regenerate, rehabilitate, renew, restore, give us a whole new life and yet that doesn't then manifest, express through us to other people. There's something broken about that. Now again, if you're a new believer, if you're young in the Lord, you're working through this. Consume. Take it in. But as you do, you grow, and then you're going to find yourself moving from consumer to producer. If we don't grow in the Lord We're just all consumers. And then it gets really interesting because we start having an agenda and if we don't get it this way at this time in this, then we'll go down the street and we'll pay there to get the religious goods and services the way we want them. I want you to see how it plays out. And when there's A lot of consumption going on. I believe it's then that people who are lost and broken come into a local service at the church. And if we're consuming all the life because we're refusing to grow up in Jesus and express life. Then maybe that's a whole other level and insight on what Jesus meant by the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful. He's talking about like the farmer. We don't grow out going and pick. Maybe, maybe these unbelievers are trying to find the love of God. But if we're still consuming it all within the church, rather than producing it, then we may not be as great a witness as we could be. One person can come to a church and say, it's like a redemption center. It's like a hospital for the sick. It's like a greenhouse for dreams to grow and develop. I've never been to a church like that. And a person going to the same church can say, ah, unloving. I have unmet expectations. There just seems to be something wrong at that church. So, I would encourage us to ask ourselves the hard question Are we producing the fruit of the Spirit? We've now experienced the love of God, and here's the way it works fruit is excess life. That means there's so much operative in me. It's like the tree, it has so much life within it, it begins to manifest life in what we call fruit so that others can come along and receive nourishment because there was so much life in that tree. May there be so much life within us, just so much of the love of God within us that we begin to bear much fruit, the love and joy and peace. I want to move into another application. What I'm saying is that everything that we want to see flood this community we have the power to produce we won't love to flood the community joy peace gentleness kindness faith self-control are we going to wait around and say when god or are we going to produce so that it floods the community in which we live all oh, the fruit just simply shows you the qualities of Of Jesus, it's like looking at Jesus. So the the world gets to see Jesus as the church is producing fruit. We will spend a certain amount of time dealing with issues of the past, and it's often phrase like, what was done to me, what was done to me, what was done to me. We live in such a dysfunctional society that there's been a lot of hurt and pain because of the abuse and the brokenness. And so people, even after salvation, they're still working through what was done to me, what was done to me. But as God continues to show you his love, that what's done to me will change to what's been done for me, what Christ did for me. What he did for me at the cross, what he did for me in dying, what he did for me in rising, what he did for me in giving the word, in giving his spirit, in giving the family of God. And it moves to what Christ has done for me. Now I'm growing and I'm going to start producing. Oh, I said to you in the message on Abraham that it seemed that Abraham was clearly called by God to make the world a better place. He said, I'm going to bless through you. And I think that as you study Jesus, he said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I came to make the world a better place. He came to be a blessing. And then I think it's a message to the local church that we are to be a blessing machine. I mean a blessing machine producing fruit, the fruit of the spirit and just flooding this church and this community. Love. We've all How many have been in church for at least five years Here or somewhere Five years, ten years Then you've been in long enough to know That there can be churches that are healthy And filled with the love of God Then there can be churches filled with gossip And and they split All kinds of ways You've such, Such carnality within the family Now we are people And we'll never be perfect But we can be growing in the love of God where we're producing an atmosphere that is, that is within our power to create. We get to be the cultural architects. We get to set the atmosphere. We're not thermometers. We're thermostats. We get to set the temperature of love, joy, peace, faith, hope, Passion for ministry. We get to set the temperature. Now I'm talking to you because you are a group of people that to me just have a commitment as seen in your attendance tonight. You are part of the core of this church. And think of core in terms of physics and nuclear energy. If the core heats up, everything heats up. If the core grows in more love, then everything's going to be more loving. If there's more joy in the core, there will be more joy throughout the entire ministry. And let me expand it to the community. There's enough of us in this room. We could flood this community with the love of Jesus because we're producers. This, this preaching now gets, gets real life. When we talk about traffic, grocery stores, our homes, our workplace. When someone just continues to honk and telling us we're number one. You just go, thank you, I'm amazed, I didn't know. We can, we can allow love to win the day. See, there's another way. Here here it is. If you study the Beatitudes, attitudes that should be, it's so contrary. Jesus came along and says, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. And it's like he cut out a whole new way of living. So you bless those who curse you. You do good to those who say all manner of evil against you. See, that's a love That's a culture of love and power. Now, we would think, well, that's weak. That's that's wimpy. We're going to be wimp, church. No, meekness is not wimpy. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. It's powerful. When you study Jesus and his crucifixion, it seems that Herod... Pilate and the crowd, they're the strong ones. But who was the strong one? It was Jesus. The one driven by love was the strong one. Those driven by hate and personal gain, they were the weak ones. Jesus, he's talking to his disciples. He says, now look, new commandment I give to you. Love one another. As I have loved you. This is like upper room talk. This is right before everything's about to happen. And into the Garden of Gethsemane they go, and Jesus is crying out, and Peter, James, and John can't stay awake. And finally, the Roman garrison comes in, and Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss. They go to apprehend Jesus, and as they're taking him, Peter pulls out his sword and he goes to work. And he he whacks this guy. I mean, and his ear falls to the ground, and it's you just wonder if Jesus didn't reach down, pick the ear up, and say, Peter, that's not what I've been talking to you about. That is that is not the strategy. Put your sword away. Peter, love wins. To the local church, to us here at the assembly, let's be about the power of love. Ephesians says, may we be rooted and grounded in the love of God. How wide, how long, how deep is that love? May we know that love. May we be rooted and grounded in that love. Whatever I'm rooted in, that's what's going to manifest through my life. So may we really, really be the most loving church Not just within the context of our meetings, but all the time. Whether I'm coaching elementary basketball, where it's really hard. The fruit gets picked so quick. I'm fresh out of the fruit of the spirit and there's nothing left. But See, that's where it shows up. How you treat your spouse. If he gives you some attitude, sister girl, you say, hey, pastor said... Love wins. Now get to the altar. You. Sk- <laughs> Think about what would happen in our homes. Think what would happen parent-child relationships, co-workers. Is there someone where you work that just finds a way to step on your last nerve? <laughs> Man, I'm trying to have self-control right now because I know exactly who you're talking about. Anyway. (laughs) This is where it's just so easy for me to stand up here and rattle this off. It's tough to live it, and yet the power is in living this out. And I know you will do that. The love of God is so rich and so strong. Let's be about what's been done for us by Christ. And then let's love people, not because of how they treat us. Can we love people who really are unloving? It's easy to love people that are lovable. How about those that are hard to love? Sandpaper people. That's where this shows up. A sinner that is just living out their sin and maybe how they're talking and there's a certain indignation in you, but at the same time, can you love them? Can we love them? Can we make room for people who've sinned big time can we make room for each other can we let love cover a multitude of sin can we let love rule the day and win the day and walk the hallways of this place encouraging blessing out of the love of God shown to us can we go throughout this community just shining the love of Christ tell you if so then we are on our way to being a great church because that's the measure of a great church because that's like Jesus. So may Christ be formed in us. Keep up the, the good work of loving people.